0: The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mounds, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Glad to have Eric Ryder producing, standing by. Today, we're going to talk about big business, and by big, I mean big pumpkins. There's an old adage that few things are as American as apple pie. We've all heard that. But that's not entirely accurate. Neither apples nor pies originated in North America. So perhaps we should rephrase it as as American as pumpkins. Try that on for size. As American as pumpkins. Hooray for the pumpkin pie. That's the title of an article in the current edition of American Road Magazine, Exploring America's Great pumpkin capitals three in particular will draw our attention today and we're going to have a great interview first timer on our program eric spitznagel will join us the interview begins right after this
1: hi everybody this is anson williams from happy days and i'm so excited to tell you about american road it is the best car travel magazine in the world they have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine With all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.
0: Have you ever wanted to know what the weather will be for your next road trip? Drive Weather is a new app that shows the forecast for your route. It's incredibly simple to use and it's available on Apple and Android. Drive Weather. Download it now for a safer road trip wherever you go.
2: No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. As American as pumpkins, that's the story today. Let's say hello to Eric Spitznagel. He is a Chicago-based writer and a department editor for American Road Magazine. Eric, we're glad to have you with us.
2: I am thrilled to be here. And I should just let you know, to get myself in the spirit, I'm sipping on the. Uh, Pumpkin spice latte right now. So I'm, I'm <laughs> smelling pumpkins.
0: How fitting. You're getting into character. That's what you're doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Tis the season.
0: It is indeed, Eric. And I'm so glad that American Road published the story because there's a lot more to the otherwise humble pumpkin, though it gets mighty sizable. There are some record setters out there that are just jaw-dropping. When it comes to the pumpkin capitals, there are many, many pumpkin patches Maybe some more sincere than others, if we take the word of uh, Linus. Could be. But I know that there are three pumpkin capitals in America, each in a different clime, different territory. But they boast pumpkin culture and the agriculture of the pumpkin in a way that few others can match worldwide. And those three are, and I have to check with you on the pronunciation on the first one. I'd never heard of it before I read your article. Is it Floyd Ada, Texas?
2: That is correct. Uh, and my, my, my Yankee uh, tongue, I always want to say Floydada,
0: but it's Floyd
2: Ada. Yeah, that's very well done.
0: Sounds like a, a hybrid of a couple of first names. That's what I'm thinking. Floyd Ada, Texas. Secondly, your home state, buddy, Morton, Illinois. Modest Morton, Illinois, but with a lot to boast about in the pumpkin world. And then thirdly, and this is something that really blew my mind, 25 miles south of San Francisco, you have Half Moon Bay, California, and pumpkins rule particularly one weekend each year in an extraordinary way. So let's go ahead and take our little orange tour de force. You lead us on this trek here. Maybe we should start in Texas and work our way around from there. Though you are from Illinois, we'll get to them next (laughs) and ultimately out to Half Moon Bay. How's that? This article involves a lot of research on your part, and kudos to you. It's very well written. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It was a thrill to write it. I mean, when I first got the assignment,
2: I was like, how am I going to make a story out of pumpkins? But but some of these different regions and the people involved and— and growing pumpkins and the reasons for doing it and what's what's unique about each place was kind of eye opening and special. I think.
0: Is it fair to say historically that pumpkins were kind of a food of last resort?
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, it, was, it wasn't something that if you if you were eating pumpkins, you weren't very financially well off. Uh, The pumpkins was kind of set aside for if a farmer couldn't grow crops like wheat or corn and kind of pumpkins were there to make sure, okay, we have this, we're not going to die. It's not the feast everyone was looked forward to, but at least we have these. I mean, no one would even think about crossing the frontier and heading out west without pockets full of pumpkin seeds.
0: Well, that makes sense, and it also led to some culinary creativity, because as you write, one of the insets during this article as a little sidebar, it's called Fruit Cup, I'll just read it. Pumpkin pie was certainly not on the menu at the first Thanksgiving, as we noted in an earlier episode of Trip Talk, at least not as we know it today. The pilgrims actually used the shell of the pumpkin as a kind of edible bowl, filling it with custard and roasting it whole in hot ashes. Now, that has trendy written all over it. I could see going to a place certainly seasonally and enjoying that today. I Someone
2: needs to bring that back because that really does sound pretty spectacular.
0: So when you go to Floyd Ada, Texas, lots of pumpkins. What's going on? What is their way of doing pumpkin culture in Floyd Ada, Texas?
2: Well, uh, down in Texas, what they really have going on is the types of uh, uh they they have to kind of stand apart from the pumpkins that are sold uh, at the big box stores, at Walgreens, at Home Depot, at places like that. So, and some of these farmers, I talked to one farmer in particular, uh, asked of their pump, uh, pumpkin ranch, uh, which is kind of a third generation uh, pumpkin patch. And they've kind of over the years learned that, well, if you're go- if you're going to really get people's attention, get them to come out there, you need something different than the magic lantern, which is the kind of generic Halloween pumpkin. So they've been kind of experimenting and coming up with all these different varieties and colors. And and, and as as Tim Asther, the one I talked to, called it uh, uh, botanical curiosity, Like they're kind of seeing what what else can we do with the pumpkin to make it visually interesting so when people come out there go oh i haven't i haven't seen anything like that before that's amazing i'm gonna bring that home i never knew a pumpkin could come in that color or come in that shape or look in that particular way um i believe tim told me that they have somewhere in the in in the ballpark of 130 different varieties of pumpkins i mean which is kind of staggering if you think about it i mean that i mean when i think of a pumpkin i go like the pumpkin and then you carve it and then you're done but to have that many different styles and colors and varieties uh, is, is kind of awe-inspiring.
0: It is, absolutely. And in reading your article, Hooray for the Pumpkin Pie, I paused when I read that there is actually, there in Texas, a bluish-greenish pumpkin, and that's how it looks when it's ripe? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. Do I dare?
2: Dare ask? Uh, uh, who buys that? uh. uh I think Tim Asper is kind of surprised uh, at what what people will pick up. Everyone wants something a little bit different. And what's interesting too about this family is that they didn't they didn't originally start out being pumpkin growers. Uh, it was a neighbor, a kind of the mentor of this business, whose name was uh, Uncle Slim Robertson, who was a who was a cotton farmer, and kind of because his wife Grace wanted to. To open up a like a, a pumpkin stand outside by the by the road, he was like, "All right, we'll, we'll put some pumpkins out there," and they slowly became very popular through the through the 40s and 50s, and and he became known as the Pumpkin Man. People would come from all over to like, "This is the guy who has the best pumpkins uh, in the area," or even you know across the the United States, people would take road trips out there just to see Slim Robertson and pick up one of his pumpkins, and he kind of. Taught, i mean they grace and uh, uh and slim uh didn't have any children so the neighbor kids they said hey you want to learn about growing pumpkins maybe this could be something you do and they kind of took over the business and passed it on and on and so they're still growing pumpkins using the 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 guidance and the secret recipe they they call it of of who they called uncle slim uh that his legend kind of lives on which is is kind of remarkable to to think about
0: it's nostalgic and romantic at the same time. Also makes for a great tourist attraction seasonally. They've got yes. rides for the kiddies, etc. It it looks like a wonderful place to visit. I'm curious, Eric, because if they wanted to make money more easily, if they set aside the nostalgia and the romance of being involved in that industry in a special way, they probably would have done very well in that part of Texas growing cotton.
2: And that is something that, that, that Tim has thought about. I mean, when I asked him about that, because uh, he had brought up that like growing pumpkins is one of the biggest headache crops. It's, in terms of things that can go wrong, so much can go wrong. There's so many ways to lose money on it. And if, he want, if it was just about making a profit, he said cotton would be a much better, much better choice. But it was interesting. He said, uh, uh, if I make cotton... It would just be shipped off, and I never hear about it again. But with pumpkins, you have these families coming in, and these kids, and you get to see the smile on a kid's face. He's like that alone, with all the hassles, with worrying about storm damage and mildewing pumpkins. That that is what makes it worth it to him.
0: I love hearing that an all-American attitude. Excellent. Well, now we've been to Texas. Why don't we drive north on the great American road system? And that will get us to Morton, Illinois. We're inching closer to Eric Spitznagel territory at this point. (laughs) Though you wouldn't confuse this place with Chicago, that's for sure. Morton, Illinois. And Eric, you've got a great line in here. Pumpkins are clearly in this town's DNA. Tell us about that.
2: (laughs) Well, they they are they are everything about pumpkins. Uh, they, they it's become such a part of their identity that there even many of the businesses have pumpkin in their name, like Pumpkin Patch Gift Shop and Pumpkin Postal and Packaging and Pumpkin Place Childcare. They do, they want to remind you around the around the calendar year that we are about pumpkins, and it all kind of harkens back to this to this one factory, uh, Libby's Pumpkin Canning Factory, which was. First built in 1925 and then was bought by Nestle in 72. And, and they are they are pretty much the world's largest pumpkin factory. Uh, they put out, I think it's in the order of 85,000 tons of pumpkins each year. Uh, and these aren't the pumpkins that people use for carving. They're not the pumpkins that you pick up and turn into jack-o'-lanterns. These are, these are pumpkins specifically for pumpkin pie, the ingredients of pumpkin pie. Uh, so Libby, uh, Libby's, they they put out. I, I, I think the number, like in a good harvest, you can get like 90 million pumpkin pies out of them, which is I think if you if you've had uh, a piece of pumpkin pie this past Thanksgiving or are hoping to have one uh, in the holidays coming up, you've probably eaten something from Morton, Illinois.
0: Well, that could well be a free plug to uh, not only Libby's but Costco. I don't know if there's a connection there, but when my partner Suzanne and I buy a pumpkin pie and sometimes we'll buy two of them though that's a challenge to get through it because when you buy one at Costco it has the diameter of an airplane tire I swear (laughs) they're really large and welcome under our roof because we love us I, I don't touch a pumpkin spice latte that's just not my taste but by golly when I sit down Thanksgiving And uh, certainly Christmas and maybe even New Year's, depending on the supply, I will enjoy pumpkin pie. I have to do that before they go out of season. And then you just don't find one, even at a Costco or some other emporium.
2: Yes. And what's interesting, too, is the pumpkins they have that they grow in Morton are vastly different than the pumpkins they they grow down in in Texas. These aren't pumpkins that are grown to look aesthetically pleasing. Uh, They don't have... Uh, 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 it's more about what's inside of it that counts. They want it to taste a certain way. It needs to have that thick orange flesh. So the the, the exteriors won't be the, the bright orange. They won't have that deep ribbing you find in jack-o'-lantern pumpkins. Uh, so they look for these certain kinds, but there's something about... Like, I, I was down uh, in Morton driving through uh, about a month or so ago. When they're, when they're in prime uh, canning season, the air smells like pumpkins. It is mm. You can't smell anything else but pumpkins. And it's kind of intoxicating. And then after a while, you're like, I really wish I could stop smelling pumpkins
0: now. <laughs> yes, I understand that. Living in Florida, there are certain places you go where you think you died and went to orange heaven. So I do understand <laughs> how that works. <laughs> that is so interesting. Morton, Illinois. Now, there is a history there. Nestle bought out Libby's. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh,
2: and, and it was kind of interesting, too. They didn't change the name to the Nestle canning uh, facility because it was so well known as Libby's Select. It kind of had brand loyalty to it. So they decided to just keep it, you know, keep it as Libby's and, and keep doing things the way they, they, they were done beforehand. And they kind of honored the history of that place and
0: honored the
2: heritage of, of that of that pumpkin
0: factory. That is great marketing, great public relations. I applaud decisions like that because something that is so intimately interwoven in the life of a community, which in the case of Morton, Illinois is about 16,000 people, becomes time honored. And it's great that they respect it in that way. What they also respect, Eric, as you made clear in your article, is that Pumpkins are a weather-dependent crop. And at one point, I can't even imagine this. Our listeners will be amazed to know that because of weather conditions one year, it got so bad that by June of 2010, Libby's entire inventory was down to just six cans. Six six cans. (laughs) I wouldn't believe such a thing were possible. I know. Can you
2: imagine? You only have the possibility for six pumpkin pies. I mean, there's going to be rioting in the streets if that happens in in any given uh, autumn.
0: That is just amazing. So, was it so? This was some some really bad weather, and were they able to forecast this? I guess beyond the point, it's just Mother Nature takes over and you just adapt.
2: That's exactly it. It was an unusually rainy season in 2009, and the fields kind of turned to mud. So by uh, by that following year, 2010, they ended up, as you said, with six cans. And, and from what I heard, uh, the company's director of marketing, he kept one locked in his office so that nobody could get to it, kind of a precious cargo. Uh, and they you know, cans started showing up on eBay. Uh, but then the next season came through and the weather was was perfect. Uh, I mean, for Pumpkins the Girl, it really takes a lot of sunshine. And a little bit of rain, but too much rain is just gonna is just gonna ruin it. Mildew is is the worst worst thing that can happen to a pumpkin. So it was just kind of a luck of the draw or anti luck of the draw that that one season was terrible. But it's something around Morton. They're they're always looking skyward and going, no, no rain, please. Let's keep that sunshine.
0: Yes, because typically, to the extent summer has its impact. Illinois summers, as you well know, tend to be on the warm side, and that's great for the pumpkins. Yes, exactly. So
2: it is, uh, and, and not unlike, you know, uh, uh, Tim Assather in Florida,
0: uh, excuse me, Florida
2: and Texas, uh, yeah. it, they all talk about, like, this is a tough industry. This is really hard, uh, but it's the excitement that pumpkins bring. It's the seasonal of. Uh, 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 excitement that pumpkin pie and jack-o'-lanterns bring that make people continue to do this even when you know and, and anyone who is approaching uh an industry going what's what's the most amount of money i can make with the least amount of hassle pumpkins is not is not the uh is not the market for you and yet they remain dedicated yes uh for a love of history for a love of the little moments, the little bits of, of, of happiness that, uh, that these pumpkins can bring. I mean, there's, there's just so much, so much of, of, of the pride and, and self-esteem for that town. I, I have a close friend here in Chicago who's from Morton. And and every time that he brings up his town, he's going to mention pumpkins because pumpkins is is part of their identity there and part of the reason that they feel good as a community. And I mean, as you as you pull into Morton, it's right there on on the welcome sign. It, it, It reminds you before you even pull off the off the highway, hey, you are entering pumpkin territory.
0: And before we move on to California and Half Moon Bay, I did want to say that your article spells out beautifully how much like the Native American tribes are said to have used everything on the buffalo except the squeal. There is this this glorious mechanization process for turning pumpkins into this highly marketable product, and they do it in a way that makes use of just about every piece of it. Yes, it is kind of remarkable. I mean, it always the
2: way it was described to me. It sounded futuristic, like a like a Looney Tunes cartoon factory, like dun 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 I mean, you know, they go through tumblers and rough cutters and chopped into smaller pieces. But yeah, there isn't a single part of of that pumpkin that isn't
0: utilized in some way. I'm definitely going to go there. I have reasons to get up to Illinois every now and again. So when we can safely move about the country, I intend to do that and to visit Morton on the basis of what I read in your article, Hooray for the Pumpkin Pie. So thank you for that. You're welcome. It's been a while since I've been out to California. I look forward to that. I love the Bay Area, and yet I did not. Realize that there was such a pumpkin culture in Half Moon Bay, California, which, in general terms, is the Bay Area associated with San Francisco. They've really got it going on there.
2: They really do. And I'm, I'm the same as you. I never think of California as a pumpkin capital. And uh, the, but they're trying to change that perception, or certainly in Half Moon Bay. I mean, when, when they started the Half Moon Bay Festival, uh, which was exactly 50 years ago, they're celebrating their 50th anniversary this year, uh, it, they were just looking for a way to, to spruce up the town, to, to put, put, put something together to, to, you know, give us a reason to be proud. And they looked around and said, oh, yeah, we, uh, we, we, have, some, we have some pumpkins here. We have, uh, the, you know, there's some farms around here. Let's make that our thing and it grew year after year. The first year was a very small gathering, and then more artists started to come in, and, and the, 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 uh, the, the weight competition started to put them on the map. I mean, they have some pretty big contenders. Uh, it was just uh, four years ago, I think in 2016, they had their biggest uh, pumpkin ever, weighing in at
0: 2,624 pounds, which has yet to be beaten. Uh, what a behemoth. That's incredible. <laughs> yes. Just last year, winning a $15,000 grand prize, by the way, the champion pumpkin was 2,175 pounds. Imagine that not even being the all-time biggest. That is incredible. I bet and they're is...
2: still eating it. I'm, I would bet somewhere <laughs> they're, they're still you know doing something with that pumpkin.
0: And I should mention, and you illustrate this very nicely, some good photography in here as well. Pumpkin carving is a high art in Half Moon Bay.
2: It really is. Uh, there's somebody there uh, named Farmer Mike. Is his nickname Mike uh, Valle de hell who uh, who just kind of started on a whim back in 1986. He was like, you know what? I'd like to. I'd like to give this a shot. No formal training whatsoever. He just loved, you know, being a little creative with, uh, with with carving pumpkins. So he entered this contest and and won it at Half Moon Bay. And he's come back every year and 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 just has developed a reputation as a, the the one thing that people keep saying when talking about him is he's the Picasso of pumpkin carvers. That he he creates these just really elaborate, beautiful portraits. And, and and caricatures that uh, are just stunning. The the amount of detail he gets. I, I mean, he has a a, a website with with the uh, with some photos here, and it's jaw dropping. You think that can't possibly be a pumpkin, but but he takes such care with it, and is so passionate about about carving and about what it takes, like what's the perfect kind of pumpkin. That's something he puts a lot of thought into. It has to be a thick skin. It has to be smooth, but not too smooth. I mean, he only, he only uses a buck knife because he thinks that's the best instrument to really get in there. Um, And he is just, he's the way he talks about his artistry is just kind of Beautiful because you know he says it's it's a temporal art form. Uh, the 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 whole essence of this is you're creating something that's going to decay and rot. It's never going to stick around forever, and for him, there's something magical about that. You're 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 creating something that can only be truly appreciated in this moment, and pretty soon it's just going to disappear. It returns to the earth.
0: Yes, a temporal art form. I like that. I also would love to participate in a pumpkin pie eating contest. (laughs) Haven't done that before, but sign me up if I'm ever in the vicinity. I think that would be another experience like going to heaven. I really do love pumpkin pie a great deal. When it comes to the various products, I think it's worth mentioning, Eric, that there is even, with all a pumpkin spice latte, for example, you go to Starbucks, you know, you can count on seeing that seasonally at least there, but then you have things like pumpkin flavored whiskey. I read, and I'm thinking, wow. I guess I'd try it once. I'll put it that way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do we really need pumpkin-flavored whiskey?
0: Somebody I don't think so?
2: <laughs> but that's I just the durability. Uh, the the pumpkin pie pop tarts uh, has have gotten my attention.
0: I'm I'm willing to give that a try. Those would be your personal Pop-Tarts, pumpkin-flavored, that's for sure. Well, they call that line extension in marketing, and apparently it's working out just fine, weather permitting, that's for sure. This has been great to visit with you about these three citadels of pumpkin culture. I love the article. It's in the current issue of American Road Magazine, Hooray for the Pumpkin Pie. And Eric, just let me ask you really quickly, do you have something in the pipeline for us for coming issues? You get around all over the place. You're quite a writer. <laughs> it is
2: fun. It is fun. Uh, there's there's a couple things in the work that are still kind of secreted, but uh, but uh, we're hoping to have a big uh, a summer movie issue. And there's a, a, a couple actors, uh, very well known, who uh, who if they agree to take part, it's going to be very very exciting to hear about their uh, about their road trip adventures, both on screen and
1: off.
0: Very well done with this article, my friend. Hooray for the pumpkin pie. His name is Eric Spitznagel. Glad to have you on for the first time. I'm sure it will not be the last. Thanks so much, Eric.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: And we'll be back right after a word about Alert Drops.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy Driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drops will save more lives than the Maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor-approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. The first stop on any Utah road trip, utah.com. utah.com
0: has itineraries for every corner of the state. Discover where you can drive under a vibrant vermilion arch. Find a turquoise lake and the best raspberry shakes around. Or marvel at Aspen's aglow in autumn. Wherever you go, the drive is as awesome as the destination. So throw your bag in the boot of your Beetle or pack the snacks in your mini Winnie and hit the road with tips from the crew at utah.com. If you dream about pumpkins tonight, you're welcome. Thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky representative co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, americanroadmagazine.com to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.